Let's open our Bibles, please, to Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14. We're going to begin reading in verse uh, 10. And we're going to read through verse 14. Uh, I really like this passage. I've spoken from it several times. Uh, This will be a new message. Same text. Uh, Proverbs 14, verse 10. And shall we stand, please, for the reading of God's Word. Proverbs 14, and verse 10. The heart knoweth his own bitterness, and a stranger doth not intermeddle with his joy. The house of the wicked shall be overthrown, but the tabernacle of the upright shall flourish. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Even in laughter the heart is sorrowful, and the end of that mirth is heaviness. The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways, and a good man shall be satisfied from himself. And if you look at the end of verse 14, where the text and the title, a good man shall be satisfied from himself. A good man shall be satisfied from himself. A backslider shall be filled with his own ways. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you help us to listen very carefully. Help us to understand the importance of this truth. I pray that it would have an impact on our lives. Help us to contemplate and ponder these things. To know the real problem. And the real solution is the man in the mirror. Give us wisdom. We yield your spirit to uh, preach and hear the word. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. A good man shall be satisfied from himself. Uh, Brother Hiles taught us and said many times that preaching is basically counseling on a group scale. So that's what I'm going to attempt to do this morning. Uh, First of all, I want to point out what this text does not say. It does not say that that you are satisfied of yourself. And secondly, it does not say that you're satisfied for yourself. It says you're satisfied from yourself. So it's very simple. We see the cause and the solution to misery in this passage. And if we're ever going to live a satisfactory life, we need to be satisfied from ourselves. We need to be removed from self-satisfaction. So self can never satisfy. Self can never fulfill. Selfishness is not the godly way. But sad to say, most people spend their life catering to self. That's all they do. From the time they get up to the time they go to bed, they're worried about self-fulfillment, self-satisfaction. What can I do to try to satisfy myself? It's the old me, mine, mine syndrome, uh, which never could, will, or ever give us a meaningful life. So the reality is life is vanity. That's what Solomon said, the wisest of all men. He he made the experiment to seek satisfaction 
out in the world and he reached a conclusion that vanity of vanities, all is vanity, saith the preacher. And he said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. So we should live by duty, not by faith, not, excuse me, not by feelings, not by this uh, vain attempt to fulfill ourselves or satisfy ourselves in any form or fashion. I remember way back, the Rolling Stones had a real famous song, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. It was not only in, uh, not good English, ain't, uh, can't get no, but uh, they were telling the truth because nobody can get any satisfaction in the world and no one will ever live a satisfying life living a selfish life and their main purpose in life is to try to fill the void so to speak because the appetites really it's nothing but a void it enlarges it can never be filled it will always increase as soon as it gets fed it will grow and it's really an indictment on selfishness because the Bible says of the increase of his kingdom, Christ, there shall be no end. It will grow and grow and grow. But the same thing happens conversely in the appetites of the souls of men that they will never be filled. So if you're saved this morning, you name the name of Christ. The only way to be satisfied is to be satisfied from yourself. And then you must be true to yourself or what I call self-loyalty. You need to know who you are in Christ, love Him, and love yourself enough to be true to yourself, to be loyal to yourself as a child of God, and to be satisfied from yourself by loyalty to yourself. Now, if you're lost, you're sitting here this morning or listening in any form or fashion, and you don't know if you're saved, you'll never be satisfied. You will never like yourself. And throughout eternity, if you reject Christ, you will have an eternity of torture and misery because you were never ever and never can be or will be satisfied. The word satisfied is an interesting word. It means sate, S-A-T-E, and it means enough to fill. Enough to fill. So yourself, there's never enough to fill yourself. Yeah. You know, never enough to fill yourself. And you could eat till you gorge. You know, the old saying, you got to loosen a belt notch. You know, yeah, put on your give up pants, your uh, stretchy pants. You know, just, I, I quit. I quit. Before uh, long, you'll want to eat again. You say, I've eaten till I can eat no more. Oh, yes, you will. Your guts will cry out. Because there is no sate. There is no satisfaction. There is never enough to fill. The eyes not satisfied with seeing. So why is it that so many people have a higher standard of living, plenty of money, friends and family, 
live in America, the greatest of all nations, but they're so miserable, they're so unhappy, they're so unfulfilled, and they have no peace. It seems like they have no joy. Why is this? It's very simple. They're being deceived by self to try to save self or fulfill self, and they don't like themselves. They, they really are miserable, and the problem is not someone else or something else. The problem is the man in the mirror. It, they will not admit that they're wasting their time in their life trying to fulfill a void. A void. Uh, you know, the, the, the Tao is called the infinite eternity. The void. The, the eternity that always was, always will be, and that's what your satisfaction capacity is. It will never be satisfied. So we see this all around us. They live in a two-dimensional world. This width and height, no depth, most people. They even try to fake three-dimensional with technology now and these goggles you can put on. Now they want to fake all these things where you're there but you're not really there because it's really two dimensions. And technologically advanced society, button-pushing society, social media runs most people's lives, the entertainment world, then they get involved in competition or comparison and they're miserable because they'll never like themselves. So they're trying to project themselves, hoping somebody will give them a thumbs up. You know the old deal, watch out for the thumbs down crowd. Hey, mock on. Like my brother James been saying, mock on, I don't care. Give me a thumbs down or a like. How many likes or dislikes? I don't care, whatever. That has nothing to do with my peace in my life. So when you look at all this, then they come to this conclusion, which is called entitlement. They feel like they deserve a great life. They deserve a pat on the back. They deserve peace and happiness. They deserve a high standard of living. And actually, uh, like they, 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 then they start confusing rights and privileges. You know, legally, that they think a driver's license is a right when it's not, it's a privilege. If you violate the law, you lose your privilege. It's, it's not a right. And you don't have a right to do certain things. You're not entitled. But because of all this, they hate themselves and they don't realize it. Because they're trying to fulfill something which can never be satisfying. So then they try to play the blame game and pass the buck and use the victim card and the race card, as they call it, to blame all their problems on somebody else. So then they blame their misery on their partner, their parents, America, racism, social injustice. It's, it's ridiculous what's going on out there. And they won't admit the reason they're doing this, they don't like themselves. Because 
you know the old saying you, you put money in a, a money or you buy a house it's a money pit you don't get much out of it yeah. it's like a bottomless pit of waste feeding it fill it you know I remember when I was a kid uh, I, don't, I didn't even get an allowance but we ran with the wealthy crowd we were one street away from little country club and a couple streets over from country club but uh, they all got a, a allowance, and they'd go feed, we call it, they were feeding video games with quarters. They'd feed it, you know, just wasting their, and I'd watch them spend a lot of money, you know. To me, 20 bucks a night on a stupid video, they'd just feed that thing with quarters and play it and feed that thing. And I, I didn't have it, I'd just sit there and go, what is this? Who has enough money to stick quarters in this thing? and watch a two-dimensional screen and push buttons. And this was 40, how long ago? Yeah, close to 40 years ago. Now look what it's become. Uh, I, I'll guarantee you that video game wants more. Feed me. Feed me. So these people, though, they won't admit they're trying to fill the void. And so... They won't be satisfied from themselves, so they're filled with their own ways. But when you reach the conclusion, you realize, I'm the problem. Me. I am my own worst enemy. Not you, not society, right. not the government, right. not the founding fathers, not some race of people. I am my own problem. And then when you realize that if I can say it from myself, then I will have a fulfilling life. And if I can get saved and believe on Christ and learn who I am in Christ and follow God as a dear child and quit trying to fill the void of my own base lust, my own fantasies, my own ambitions, my affections, my fantasies, if I would turn from that and quit feeding that, then I can be satisfied from myself. You know, all my problems in life, I brought it on myself. You know, most people don't want to admit it's my fault. God gave every one of us the greatest thing, creating His image, free will, volition. You can choose what to do. Nobody will tell you what to do or make you do it. You choose to do it. Now, you may be influenced to do it. You might be pressed to do it, pressured. You might be tempted to do it. But in the end, you choose to do what you do. And that's why it says, there is a way which seemeth right unto men, but the end thereof are the ways of death. All these people out there in the world, right, in, in Western, modern, wicked society, they, it seems like a good thing to do. It seems like it'll solve the social injustices. It seems like it will even out with the redistribution of wealth or whatever stuff they're coming up with. But what's the reality? It'll end in death. Why? Because they're trying to sate themselves. They're trying to satisfy themselves. But when you get saved and you turn from that, you quit trying to fill the void. You quit trying 
to sate something or satisfy the insatiable. So, it seems right, it'll end in death, but then what happens? They develop this coping mechanism, as I call it, or a compensation to try to balance their life because on the inside, they're sorrowful and miserable and hate life and they hate themselves because they're miserable, but then they laugh on the outside. Now, and this is the hypocrisy I'm talking about that the inside doesn't match the outside and that's what a hypocrite is. If you're miserable on the inside, but you laugh a lot, you're trying to cover up that you don't like life and you don't like yourself and you're somehow trying to find self-esteem by making other people laugh or you're covering up the inward condition and, and I'm, I know people like that. Some people, if they get bad news, they laugh. It's real strange to me. They, they have this coping, you know, or, you know, they're miserable. Some of the comedians who commit suicide told some of the funniest jokes. And they, they hated themselves. They hated their life. But they spent life laughing or trying to make other people laugh. And that's what it says right there, if, if you look at it, that, um, so, so look at chapter 14, look at verse 13, even in laughter, the heart is sorrowful, and the end of that mirth is heaviness. So, they have these coping mechanisms, compensation, but then it says, the backslider who turns from God and on God will be what? In his heart shall be filled with his own ways. So, there is a way that seemeth right unto the man, but the end there of the ways of death. If you backslide, God will let you fill up that void or try to with your own ways. And it's misery and it ends in death. So, what does it mean, empty? What does it mean to be filled or to lack the ability to fill the void? Basically, it's that word saint. And the fulfillment in life is dependent upon what do you try to fulfill? Who do you try to fulfill? So if you're unhappy, why are you unhappy? If you're miserable, why are you miserable? If you're full of hate and anger, why are you so hateful and violent in your heart? Why are you depressed? Why are you so melancholy? And the reason is, you're being filled with your own ways. But if you turn from that, you'll be satisfied from yourself. Right. You know, isn't it kind of strange when, when you get right with God, you could sum it up and conclude succinctly, uh, I got saved from myself. <laughs> I, got, I got delivered from me. I got delivered from my appetites. I got delivered from the lust of the flesh. I got delivered from a lifestyle that just tried to fill the void of myself. So this attempt to cover reality, to avoid the situation, by laughing outwardly, but inwardly being sorrowful, is so sad. And open rebuke is better than secret love, the Bible tells us. Iron sharpeneth iron, so doth the countenance of a, of a man's 
friend. So the foolishness of this feeble attempt to cover, and this is what society is all about. They're hiding something. They're hiding. And, but some people then, they'll come out and say, I'm just not very happy. You know, and I, I've met many people and uh, counseled many people through the decades that they'll just say, I don't know why I'm not very happy. I don't know why I'm just not satisfied. And they're looking for something, always looking for something, looking for change, looking to blame, looking to point the finger. There's something missing, but what is missing? They need to be satisfied from themselves. So there's two basic aspects of life. This is very basic. Number one is what you are. In your nature, positionally, inwardly, what are you? Are you an honest person? Are you a generous person? Are you a kind person? Are you a forgiving person? Are you an ethical person? Do you have a work ethic? Are you a hard worker? Do you have character? Do you have conviction and fortitude to stand? Do you have anything that you believe that you're willing to stand for? What you are, but then secondly, it's very simple, what you do. So your behavior is the manifestation of your inward invisible nature and most people are laughing on the outside crying on the inside and they're trying to cover something up or they're just so angry and miserable they're either so angry and violent or they're so depressed and sad and the whole problem is it's them it's not anybody else it's really sad, isn't it, how most people live, especially in today's society. So James 4.1 says there's fightings among you or within you. And we're wrestling with ourselves. That's the problem. You know, if you look at the problem with hypocrisy, Romans 7 tells us the battle. Sin wants to sin in you. You're resurrected with Christ, according to Romans 8. But if you look at it, Romans 1 through 11, those chapters, tells us who we are in Christ. As a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, being born again, a child of God, it tells you what you are. What? Then in Romans 12 and 13, it tells you what to do because of what you are. If you look at Ephesians 1 through 3, it tells us doctrinally what we are then it tells us in ephesians 4 through 6 what to do because of what you are on the inside and it's not a who it's a what you know your nature will be manifested evidenced physically by our actions so i want you to turn if you would to james chapter 4 very well known passage and this tells us what to do James chapter 4, because chapter 4 verse 1 says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? So look at verse 1. Come they not hence, even of your lusts, that war in your memory. So what is my misery? It's the lust I have fighting. I want this. Should I do that? I want that. I can't do that. I think I'll do it anyways. Should I do it? 
So look at verse 2. Ye lust and ye have not. Ye kill and desire to have. And cannot obtain. See there? Cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you ask not because you, uh, I'm sorry, you have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. So this is a battle of trying to fulfill self-lust. That's the war. Not between some other person, not your spouse or your sibling or society. We're all wrestling with ourselves. And verse 4 says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. So what is really a worldly person? It's basically somebody who will not be satisfied from themselves, who always is war warring with their own lust in their own members, trying to fill the void. And the world is the creation of the lust of the flesh to fulfill its own lust. All that stuff out there, what you can see, taste, hear, smell, experience, that the world created, that is trying to fulfill the lust, but it's a void. And look how many times it says, and you have not, yet ye have not, and you receive not. And then Christians get so deceived, they start praying to fulfill these lusts. Oh Lord, give me that. You don't need it. You know, you should ask if the Lord will give it to me if it's your will. You know what's best for me. Quit begging for things that aren't God's will. And then he, and he said, that's true adultery. Spiritual adultery. Now, what's the solution? Look at verse 7. And this is a continuation of the same thought process from chapter 4, verse 1. Look at verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning. Quit faking it, and be sorry for your sin. Turn from your sin. Turn from trying to satisfy yourself. And then it says... Your joy to heaviness. So, it's not nothing wrong with laughing. We ought to have a lot of fun. And, you know, it is fun being saved. Amen. I've been saved 40 years. It's a lot of fun being saved. But, the people who laugh all the time, they're fakes. Come in contact with this woman lately. She's too, she's too happy. It bugs me. She's too, it's a fake. Just, it's fake. Too joyous, too bubbly too excited about the silly things of life. It's a put-on, as they called it in Oklahoma. She's showing out. That's what my uncle would say. Uh, you know, when you'd wear a real fancy shirt, they'd call it loud. That's a loud shirt. You're trying to draw attention to yourself. But it, it's a fake. And I'll guarantee you, inside, when she goes to bed and the lights are off and her head's on that pillow, there's something missing. And they're trying to cover it up. What did God say? Turn from yourself to God. He will draw nigh to you. Submit, bow to God. Repent of your own lust. Quit trying to satiate your lust. And then what does it say? Quit laughing and start weeping and mourning and be sorry for what you've done. And God will change your whole life. 
But see, most people don't want to do this. They want to laugh. They want to party. They want to celebrate. They want a fiesta, then take a siesta. Boy, that's the fiesta, siesta, fiesta, siesta, fiesta. That's their whole life. Fiesta, Texas. Ride the roller, waiting an hour to ride a roller coaster, get scared to death, <laughs> sick to your stomach, say you never do it again, and go, oh, it wasn't that bad, I'll do it again. And again, and again, and again. Going nowhere fast. So, you have, now notice, this is a continuation. I'm almost through this phone. Look at verse 11. So here's what happens. Here is the symptom of this misery. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law, but if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. So here's the first symptom. Blaming others. Putting down others. Judging others. Criticizing others. Becoming a railer and a scorner Putting yourself up as the judge in condescension, looking down on others, when it says there's one lawgiver, God. So see the pointing, the finger, the victim card, the blame game. But really, what's the problem? I don't like myself. So you know what? I think I'll blame it on somebody. You know, some people, a lot of people get up saying, who can I blame this on today? Who can I be mad at and be full of hate? The next symptom, look what it says in verse 13. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So then you have the assumption against the future. The boasting, taking life for granted, God for granted, how precious life is, and then boasting of what you're going to do tomorrow. Boasting what you're going to do next week. Boasting where you're going to go on vacation this year. Boasting of what you're going to eat for lunch after church. Man, I wish this would be over. We're going to have barbecued and whatever. Baked potatoes, man. I mean, peach pie cobbler. How do you know? You may not be around. You're supposed to say, if the Lord wills. You know, I always say, you know, if the Lord wills, we're going to cook out today. If the Lord wills, I'm going to go to San Antonio this next coming Tuesday. If the Lord wills, I'm going to do this next Thursday. You're not supposed to boast about See, and why did this, does this happen? Because the, the satiation or the lack thereof makes you so miserable, you forget who's in control. God's in control, not your guts. God's in control. If the Lord wills, I'll, I'll, I'm going to have something to eat tonight. 
But it's up to him. So you see the this misery of passing the buck, the blame game, and the assumption against the future, and then the condescending judgmental attitude of the anger that fills the hearts of men. This is where we're at. We're at the last of the last days. Because of the two-dimensional and technological social media world of people looking for approval or some type of satisfaction by some post they made or they got bullied on some Twitter. It's unbelievable what's going on out there. And like Brother James said in his Sunday school class, we grew up in the good old days where bullying was pulverized with fists. You know, and you say, good old day. Well, it wasn't that good. But, uh, you know, back then, you got, you got punched. You know, it still happens today. But people are cowards by words. Right. What? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's what I was taught. Call me what you want. I know, I know, I am, but I know you are, but what am I? You know, that's why we call, I know you are, but what am I? You can't hurt me with that. Try it again. Mock on. Doesn't work with me. Amen. You know, I know, but I'm going to get mocked. That's part of it. So what? So, no Bible. Try to fill it with internet. No hiding the word in their heart. Try to fill it with some movie, some series, you know, some social media platform, whatever that is. Miserable. So, what's the solution? We have it right there. And we have why it happens, Proverbs 14, how to solve the problem, James chapter 4. Now, what will we do about it? That's the question. Because when you look in the mirror, and I look in the mirror, that's the problem. Yeah. Right. I'm the problem. If I try to just fill myself, I have to be satisfied from me. You know, these people get big dollars for counseling and therapy and things. I doubt if you've heard any of them say, let me tell you what to do. Go home and look in the mirror and say, you're the problem. And then apologize to yourself and say, you know, Jeff, that's me talking to me. I'm really sorry I let you down. I'm really sorry, Jeff, that I tried to fulfill Jeff. And I tried to satiate Jeff. I'm very sorry. And it says, if you'll draw nigh to God and turn and confess your sin, get it under the blood, and realize the backslider shall be filled with his own ways, but a good man shall be satisfied from himself. I'm the problem. You're your own problem. I wish the people in this room would quit looking to somebody else and said, it's your fault. No, it's not, because no matter what you do to me, I have free will to decide what to do. So I can forgive you, turn the cheek, don't take it personal. I can let it go. I can let it, I can move on. I don't have to live in the past. I don't have to hold on. I can move on. Isn't it great to know you're in control? But the sad thing is most people, they want control, but they don't want to take control. But they think they're in control by rebellion 
But then the reality is, they're really not in control. But if you want to take control, free will. What's the name of the principle of uh, you lose freedom when you yield to temptation? Yeah, when you yield to temptation, you lost your freedom. Because now you're a slave to the temptation. All right, let's pray. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. I'd ask that no one's leaving. Uh, no one's looking around.